7. Would you please read for us? Please. Now there cried a certain woman of the wives of the Elijah, saying, Thy servant. Start over again, please. Now there cried a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets unto Elisha, saying, Thy servant, my husband, is dead, and thou knowest that thy servant did fear the Lord, and the creditor is come to take unto him my two sons to be bondmen. And Elisha said unto her, What shall I do for thee? Tell me, what hast thou in the house? And she said, Thine handmaid hath not anything in the house save a pot of oil. Then he said, Go, borrow thee vessels abroad of all thy neighbors, even empty vessels, borrow not a few. And when thou art come in, thou shalt shut the door upon thee and upon my sons, and shalt pour out into all these vessels, and thou shalt set aside that which is full. So she went from him and shut the door upon her, and upon her sons who brought the vessels to her, and she poured out. And it came to pass, when the vessels were full, that she said unto her son, Bring me yet a vessel. And he said unto her, There is not a vessel more, and the oil stayed. Then she came and told the man of God, and he said, Go sell the oil, and pay thy debt, and live thou and thy children of the rest. God bless you. you may be seated. My topic here is set your house in order. Pastor, you're getting a medal again tonight. Amen. I said, Pastor, you're going to medal again tonight. But set your house in order. There is so much lessons, object lessons, for individuals, for husbands, for wives, for family, for couples for children, for Christians. There's so much in there that this could be a series of study for a long, long time. Unfortunately, two things are short in our lives, time and money. We just don't have that luxury, time and money. But I was thinking, God, I need to get off the subject. <laughs> I need to get off the subject. And I want to tell you, God always have solution for our crisis. God always have the keys to unlock the door of our problems. I cannot think of any time in my short life on earth where I've read or heard of God ever running out of solutions. When I was in the movie where all the star always get cornered, he said, there's no way for him to get out of this situation but the power of the pen get him out. <laughs> the power of the pen always get him out. For some reason, he gets out. And... The power of the written word gets us out. And like it or not, I don't want to distress you with too many scriptures, but I was searching in the Bible about historical famines in the land. In every case, 
God's people were in the midst of it. But none of them that trusted the Lord and leaned upon him died with cleaneth of teeth. God always have a plan for his men and his women. I have a hard time accepting saints in distress and problems who tell me or imply that God failed them. I thought, you are a liar. I'm sorry. You've been the first one since creation that says he failed. They said about Jesus, he does all things well. <laughs> he said he does all things well. I don't know where the fish and the fire came from, but the apostles toiled all night, caught nothing, and he asked them, boy, he's got any bread? No. Instantly, a fire was lit. Fishes were on there. Peter was gobbling it down. He said, oh, you love me more than these, Peter? They didn't ask him where the fire came from. Who lit this fire? Who provided this? But uh, The fish. But God did. Elijah ran after three and a half years of famine and, and drought, hid in the cave, went to die as a caveman, and God called him out of there. And God woke him and said, hey, boy, I got a journey for you, but you know what? You can't go the way you are in a bad shape. He said, look, the journey's too long, and you will survive. So God baked him a cake. He had no servants, no maids, but God built a fire. I don't know where the cake came from, but God put a cake on there. They give some water. God said, come on, wake up, eat. Journey's too long. God always provided. God always provided. Forty years in the wilderness, no bakery, no, no fishing, no, no place for grass to grow for the, and all that stuff. In fact, someone pointed out to me, they didn't have to kill their cows and their goats and their sheep except for sacrifice. And God delivered quail, manna. So God's always have a solution for every situation, every era in life. The Bible said there was a time in Egypt when famine came after seven years of plenty, and God had a solution. Ghosts should never see all the problem because God had a solution. You cannot find anywhere in the Bible where God's people run out of options unless you're under the will of God. Now, that's pretty hard to tell people that. Uh, I don't think Job was out of the will of God. Somebody said Job asked God 103 questions and God 102 questions, and God asked him 104 questions afterward. But God was in the situation that happened to Job. And, and Job don't know, but God was bragging on him. <laughs> and when it was all over, he was blessed more than he had before. And the devil wished he had not touched him. This story here, for me as a pastor, and hopefully to my wife, and also to you that have a wife and a husband in your life, or have children, or plan to get married, this should be read several times. You may not read it 
And you may think it's just Elijah's story, but it was written for your learning. I don't know if you're going to learn anything from it, and that's not my prerogative. I'm not here to badger your brain or your life or your soul. That's up to you. But there's a lot to learn here. I don't know what kind of debt this man made, but he made debt. Good, good man, living for Jehovah, according to this, his record is good, live for God, walk with God. He says, Elisha, you know this guy lived for God. He did the right things. But somehow, he died. His debt outlived him. I think it's better you outlive your debt than your debt outlive you. Because somebody got to pay for it. If you're a wife, you have to pay for what your husband didn't pay for. And they're going to make sure you pay for it. They're going to make sure you pay for every dime and vice versa. And so he died, but that didn't let him off the hook. They said, you got some kids. And the bills you make are going to affect your children's future. Think about it. And I don't even want to hear this. And I told God after this, I won't preach this to you no more. So this is the last time I'm going to preach this to you. All right. But he said, look, I want your sons. Now we're seven years of bondage. They're going to work off every dime that your father owed me. Every dime for seven years in bondage. You can't pay it because you're a stay-home wife and you don't have any money. You're broke. I can't just forgive you. I said, forgive the debt? No, you're going to pay every debt that he owes. And since you can't pay, you got no money. Your son's going to pay. I'm going to take your sons from you. Put two boys from your, your son and hand them over to the slave, whatever, and make some money on them. Sell them for seven years. Boy, she got stirred. She got started crying. She said, you know what? I better take this to God. Because I'm in trouble. I don't have a dime to pay. There's nothing in my house I can offer up to this creditor. And I'm about to lose my kids to this situation. I don't know if the wife knew that the husband made those kind of bills. I don't know if, she's, if he sat and talked to her and told him why I was doing it. But he's a man of God. Because you're of God, no mean no me you can't make mistakes. Bad ones. But affect your family. And your children, children. Abraham paid tithe and went all the way down his genealogy where had kids down to Levi. That's a long way, many years, to affect them. The reverse is true. And so she started crying and said, What am I gonna do, man of God? Well, he didn't call a prayer meeting, he didn't call a fast. He said, there's some practical things you got to do. What is in your house? Your answer is in your house. Your two boys and you and whatever your husband left behind. Hallelujah. I know one guy said, I will not have an insurance policy. Can we not die? My wife's going to marry some other guy. And it's true. She will. And he will get all the benefit of that insurance. So he died and left his wife broke. 
she had a terrible disease. She still got disease. She still can't walk. So kids hate the church. Hate it with a passion. Don't want nothing to do with the church. He's in his grave. She is crippled. Left her nothing. You see, there's more to a relationship than I love you and I kiss you and I have sex with you. Hallelujah. I got a thing I wrote on girls that are chasing boys that are ungodly. God said there's a whip out there waiting for you, girl. Lashes like you've never had. Thorns in your eyes like you've never born before. And thistles. That's the guy on my desk. I haven't presented it yet. Still have it. It's just not good. Anyway, man of God came with a solution because God gave him a solution. But notice she did not question the solution. She goes, well, look, prophet, I've always had this oil. It ain't worth nothing. It ain't worth nothing. But once God, it's in God's hand, it's different. A little loaves and fishes can multiply to a bakery in a fish shop. Amen. And the Bible said, he says, you know, what's in your house? He says, not much. What's in your house? Oh, just some oil I left behind. It's okay. That's all you got to work with. I can only work with what you have left in your house, what you have left in your house. But so she, he said, here's what you do. Go tell your neighbor, can I borrow some vessels, please? He said to her, do not borrow just a few. Then say credit. Then say borrow. Oh, by the way, there's a difference between a debt and a credit. There's a difference. A credit is when you cannot pay your obligation. Your debt is an obligation you made. You're living up to it, so it's really not a debt, it's not a credit. It's just a covenant. But the mere fact you broke that covenant, not paying on time, or default, or go bankrupt, then you have a credit on your hand. Ooh. And if you don't pay up your debt, you are a thief. And if you go bankrupt just to escape payment, you're a thief. And bankruptcy is the last thing. Bankruptcy does not mean you don't pay the debt. It means they, they schedule you paying that debt back. That means you find a job, da-da-da-da-da-da, pay it back. Or they haunt you for the next 50 years with credit rating that you can't even walk. Can't buy a shoe or socks. This father had ghosts. The ghost in your life. The unpaid bills that you didn't pay. But then it says the wicked barred and paid not back. So Christians don't do those things. Oh, by the way, God said to tell you, by the way, you're like David. You are anointed right now, king and priest. In this world to come, you're rich. You're, 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 you just got it. Well, you're not there yet. You're still living here. And you still got to put up with Caesar. <laughs> Hello? You got to put up with Caesar. So down here, 
You're going to be rich over there, but you're very poor down here, begging bread like Lazarus. Amen. So I'm not talking about your life over there, because I know it's already settled. But life down here. All right, and so he said, go borrow these vessels. And she went and she borrowed the vessels. So now I you shut the door behind you, let no one see what you're doing, and just keep pouring. I wish Sun Court could hear this and say, girl, let's keep pouring oil. Barrels and barrels of oil. Do you sell barrels and barrels of oil? Hallelujah. And make sure you got some business sense. Wives, you better have some business sense. If your husband die, you're going to die poor. Or join the soup kitchen line of the Salvation Army. And by the way, if you live through tribulation, you're going to have to realize your wage can't even buy a barley of wheat. Now, you can see what you mean. A lot of women in the past got mad at me and walked out, and they're bankrupt today, spiritually and morally, in every way possible. They told me this is weird doctrine, kind of strange doctrine, but not one proved me wrong. I don't have any that excel, any of you in church today. And their life is sinful, miserable. Just miserable. Because you can't outdo God's plan. It does matter how you receive the word. The engrafted word in your heart. Amen. And so she got all these vessels, used her sense, put her sense to work. In other words, she would have some business sense. Go borrow those vessels, boys. Get those vessels quick. Bring them in. Why, Mom? Never mind. Just bring them in. <laughs> put them over there. <laughs> and she put her boys to work. Some of them playing games out there, hockey and football games. They're working with her. Because, boys, if you don't help me solve this problem, you're going to go into slavery. You're going to have problems. Because Daddy's dead. And mommy has no skills, except what the man of God just said, do it. So she did it. She had no idea what was going to happen. She started pouring, <laughs> and she just filled right up. Boy, I love that in my life. Just keep pouring, and just keep filling up. Keep filling up, keep filling up, keep filling up. She said, boys, bring more vessel. Mom, there is no more. She said, slap those kids. They'll get some more vessel and come back. But where they stop, she stop. I mean, she stopped, the all stop. The blessings stop when you stop. He said, smite the ground. One, two, three, that's enough. No, that's not enough. He said, you should have done it many more times. He died angry at the king. He said, king, you just lost some battles a while ago. But, you know, if you're going to careful, folks, you can end up like Joasaphat. So, well, you know. In my days, you know, there's no problem, but in my kids' days, so what? I thought, what a terrible guy. That's something like a lot to me. He didn't care about his kids' future. He said, oh, okay, I'll have peace in my day, but in their day, hell. So it didn't bother me. I'm telling you right now, young people, don't have kids if you don't plan to take care of them. And boys, don't lay with a girl if you're not responsible to take care of that kid. This is no recreation stuff. This is life and death. And girl, don't be so stupid. Let those guys just run you over like a 
truck. Be sensible. You have to carry the baggage. Don't look at me like that. You have to carry the baggage. You're dumb. You're stupid. Let them do that to you. You ain't worth a flip. Check him out. You don't buy any shoes and put it on. You check it out. Make sure it's your size. Hello? Let's worship God. I'm talking to you plain. You know why? Because nobody else will. Nobody else will. Say, I will not be one of your statistics. I will not be one of your cheapskate. She was married to this guy. And still got a problem. Can you imagine she didn't marry him? A big problem was even worse. But he said, now, lady, your answer is in the job market. Your answer to your poverty is in the job market. Go sell what God has blessed you with. No matter how small, it's up to her to put a price tag on it. It's up to her to determine how much that battle all is costing. But she's going to be in charge. It's the first time in her life she'll be in the business world. And boy, she'll be savvy. She's selling oil. And they have no idea that she's trying to pay off her debt and have some money to retire on and take care of her kids' education. So really, her future was in her business savvy and her connection with God. Everybody listen to me? I want you to resist sleep, man. Resist sleep. If you want some amphetamine, I'll give you something to wake you up. But are you on uppers? Anybody need some uppers? Here's some right here. No, sorry. It's fingernails. <laughs> Stay with me. It's up to her. I want you to look at the story, God. God will not do it for us. He will do it with us. God will tell you the plan, but you have to execute the plan. Right? He didn't, it, didn't, it didn't chide her for having that debt. She didn't make the debt. It didn't, it didn't badmouth the man who made the debt. That's not the issue here. It's how can I get out of this debt? Do you have a solution, God? How can I get out of this credit situation here? My sons and my family's in situation here. Get out of it. And God gave her the answer. And she, I can see her come back with a bag full of money. I can see her run to the bank. And when she realized she have a leverage, a financial leverage, 10 to 1 increase. Because when God gave the fist to Peter from 0 to 153, you figure that out. A man's soul to have a hundredfold. Can you figure that out? God is not stingy. When God brings you out, friend, you're in a large place. And what God tried to tell me tonight is tell you that he's here to answer any prayer. Because he loves you. And he cares for you. But at the same time, stop getting your foot in your mouth. First of all, your foot is dirty. Dirty foot. Ugh. Every time you say a dirty word, credit, God says, ooh. Now you wonder why my head is white. It's those kids down there. 
from one credit to another credit to another credit. But she came out of it. Notice how her business sense helped her. She paid off the credit. She had money to live on. Amen? Money to take care of her son. She kept her kid. So she pays some, saves some, and obviously did what she has to do. Let's worship the Lord. So whoever you are tonight, God have a solution for your situation. It's in your house. It may be go back to knee college. You know what knee college is? Neology. Where you cry on your knees. Praise God. We see these ten fingers here? Call them ten devils. Because they're the ones that keep getting you into trouble. You got to pick up that stuff. Amen. And get you into trouble. I was thinking to share with you the habits of successful, wise-hearted, rich people. I made a vow I will not buy a car worth any more than none of your business. <laughs> <laughs> but there are habits of successful people today. Like spending, I got this little quote here. Spending money is a way to get the things you want today. Sometimes saving money is very tough. But it helps get your future stuff. Now, I know this is probably late for some people, but for some it's still good. For better or for worse, most time the worse come before the better. It takes a long time for the better to show up. And purpose one time people lie in their, you know, in their marriage covenant. They say, for better or for worse, and they don't mean it. And they say, till death does part, they don't mean D-E-A-T-H, they mean D-E-B-T. We do part. <laughs> But it's sad, that statement, and sad means seasonally affected disorder. Right now, the whole world is trending towards Revelation 6. They can't help it. And God is in control. God is the one that called for drought. He's the one that called for drought on a snow is falling where it shouldn't be falling, and vice versa. And he's in control. We know that. But God wants you not to be preoccupied with their problems. He wants you to focus on being an ambassador. Because this is the best field of evangelism there ever was. Now, for better or for worse, if you're going to get married, discuss this. If you're not married, plan it. Discuss money before you enter an exchange vow. It's best to disagree on paper than disagree in your bedroom. Money and marriage make strange bed partners. 
They rarely ever makes. I love a statement that my wife says, never get between a couple with conflict because they are like scissors. You get between them, and together they slice you in two. <laughs> Simply get between them, leave them alone, <laughs> stay out of it because they go click, you're dead. <laughs> but I found that statistically, and I'm just telling you statistics, which I know you won't read for yourself. Serious conflict usually is over spending money. And number four, what caused divorce? Usually, money. It's not funny. Money caused divorce. It's important you find out if you're marrying a spender or a saver. If you're both spender, I guarantee you, you're heading down the road death. You know what? Spell it. But in some marriages, savers join matrimony with what? Spenders. And sometimes spenders join with the savers. The person don't, who don't have to work is the one that spend money easy because they don't have to sweat. It's just easy to write a check and, and hand a plastic card over. But they're never involved on the job site to put up with the stink of the smell of kerosene, bitumen, nasty bosses, politics of the industry. That's why the one who's working should always be sympathetic to the one I mean, one who's not working should always be sympathetic to one who's working. Because money didn't fall out of the sky, honey. Didn't fall out of the sky. And before you spend it, remember this, you spend somebody's blood. Somebody brought David some water from Jerusalem, and he wouldn't drink it. He poured it on the ground and said, I can't do this. He said, this, what they just brought to me represent a man's life. And man's blood. When the non workers spend the one who's working, you're spending a man's sacrifice. He's just aged. He can never recover that age to get that much. He exchanged his strength, his tenacity to get that dollar bill. And you can just flippantly spend it. Right? Because it doesn't cost you anything. Hello? And you can understand when the guy says, hey, you know what? We're going to marry you. I didn't marry a, a worker's license, you know. No, I'm not going to tell couples what to do, but if you're going to marry somebody and you marry a spender, it, it makes sense that you have separate bank account, separate credit card, and you'll have joint account in the areas where you know you got control. Because the one that stays home can spend as often as they think and they don't have to work for it. Easy come, easy go. That's why kids throw toys away. They have to pay for it. 
so that kids can waste clothing and such like you have to pay for it. Cost them nothing. Until they grow up and turn 18 and find out they have to labor and compete with everybody else to get what they want. And realize, uh-oh, it's not free. And the moment you include the government in your life to give you a subsidy, they're going to run your home for you. They're going to run your decision for you. They're going to tell you how to behave. In fact, send, send home supervisors in your home to tell you how to run your kids. Maybe a bunch of lesbians or whatever they call themselves. Trying to tell you how to run your kids when they have no kids themselves. So, if you're young and you're going to get married, you're either going to marry in debt or in wealth. The person you marry, are you marrying in debt or in wealth? If it's too late, you find out now what you're married into. You can't get rid of the baggage now. You can hire it. And they're charging extra on the airplane for extra baggage. <laughs> so the more baggage of the airport that we're going to pay. Right? So, the perils of spending. Did I marry into wealth or did I marry into debt? Did I marry up or marry down? Girls, if you're going to marry, marry up. If you marry down, you're dumb. You deserve everything you get happened to you. Don't look at me like that. He ignore his looks. That's a phony. That's a frog. That frog can dress up like a beautiful whatever. Don't fall for it. Make sure his hands are rough. Make sure he's got something on the wall. Are you going to have to pay for it? What he lacks, you pay. Woo! Don't you wish I was sick and I'm to preach to you right now? Brother Miles, come and preach. You're better off marrying into wealth. Don't marry into poverty. Well, I love him so much. I don't care. He's just so cute. You can't eat good looks. High spending leads to debt. High spending undermines marriage. It leads to breaking down of marital relationships. Well, everybody likes money and the things it can buy. We've got some advertisers that make you buy things you don't need, hate the things you do have, and act like you're living below the poverty line. They're lying to you. They want to hook you. I never, personally, not an advice, I never accept any offer to be on the phone for any coupons or vacation. I say, you don't love me. You're a liar. You try to pull me. What's the catch? You don't even know me People fall for it. People give money over the phone on these lines for, you know, Nigeria scam, full of it. Oh, I got $10 billion, Pastor, and God told me that you're the guy to talk to, but don't tell anybody, give me a bank account number. Am I that naive? I mean, look naive, may born last night, but not tonight. Amen. You know, I call it, debt is a sin of discontentment. Because what's affecting the world today is 
globally is debt. Everybody is in what? It's called deficit spend. That's fancy word of saying spending money you don't have. Buying things you won't keep. Now, here's a big joke. This is a big joke, folks. This is a nice game to play with yourself. I want a credit card, and my limit is $5,000. Do you really mean it? No. But it's nice to fool yourself sometimes. That's not your limit. That's your start point for, for bankruptcy. The reality when a spouse has a card and the other hasn't, and one used the card without permission of the other, you have to keep lying to hide the debt you're accumulating until you can't anymore to go, I need your car, I need your house. I remember somebody I tried to help one time. I really did. I tried to help them get something, um, uh, transportation, because they were abandoned. They were in a real, real crisis problem. And I, and I did it out of love of my heart. It was my personal help. And I, said, I gave strict advice. Do not do A, do B. Pride is very destructive. And ego if you're buying it to please your neighbor, guess what? The neighbor has the same problem you have. Well, they went and did contrary. Somebody told them, told me what I told them. And within three or four days, they traveled from Edmonton and took away what they bought. And they lost everything. You know what? Nothing wrong. If you're married, one day you'll be a single fan because one you're going to die first. Unless you both die together. So that's not, that's not, a, that's not an issue. The, fa the thing is, if I'm living on a single family income, I can't live like I got a dual paycheck in my life. I can't look at my neighbor walking down church with their, hello? Rabbit fur that looks like uh, mink. I think it's mink. Just rub against them and the fur will come off on you know it's not mink. <laughs> I'm thinking of a situation right now. It's just very hilarious and funny. I would mention it to you. It's not good to talk to her right now. But I'll tell you, it'll make you laugh your head off. It's good for marriage couples only. But nothing wrong with having a credit card. I found out when I just got married, I couldn't get a hotel with a credit card. I couldn't rent a car at a hotel or nothing. So I need a credit card. I get one. Right? I have to get one. So I have to realize now it's either for emergency, hello, or just for splurging. And you know, when we make the minimum payment, what happened to us? You pay forever. And we don't calculate it looks like it doesn't cost you much, but honey, you're paying 1,500 times what you borrow. And they love you. They love you. Amen. All right? So when guilt attacks you, because talk about the creditor here, 
her husband make a credit and left her with his debt. He probably hid it from her that he had this debt. Probably hid it from her. She didn't know it. She's shocked. I don't want to say he lies to her about the spending or how much he spent or how much he owed. But she just didn't know until the collector's agency comes up. They're hounding her. And now she didn't go scandal the man. She went to the man of God and said, look, my husband makes some, some debt and I'm in a situation I can't solve. It's for better or for worse. I'm dealing with the worst right now. I need your help. It's for richer or for poorer. I'm poorer. He's gone. And now in DEBT we do part. I'm going to bring my board here. Caleb, give me a paper, please. Bring my board out here. I'm going to say, Pastor, stick to preaching and leave economics alone. Well, this is God's economics. I don't think anybody in this church should have guilt about having a card, guilt about making a credit, or even guilt about budgeting. Just don't leave the future to chance. Learn to be financially savvy. You are still on earth. You're not in heaven yet. Avoid all the debt you possibly can avoid. Learn to tell yourself, you can wait. And always strive for it. What? Financial independence. Don't assume you can't afford it. No, you can't by calculation. Because the figures won't lie. She's staying with the kids, which was good. Problem is, though, she can't pay the bills. He's gone. So made a covenant with your husband. Say, honey, don't die before I do. You first die. Before you die on your way out, make sure you have enough money to cover me. And when you're dead, I know you left enough money to carry my standard of living, my cost of living, and my kids' education that you gave me. Then you may go lay and rest in peace. <laughs> Until then, you're allowed to die. <laughs> I'm going to keep resuscitating you and research a day back to life. <laughs> There'll be no mercy killing around here. <laughs> It'll be revenge living. <laughs> I'm going to force you to live. No, he can't die until he pays that off. You all right? You may not know this, but I, I know it's come to you to waste your time. I do pray for you. Now, I heard a story sometimes said to me, Pastor, my, my wife and I have financial real problems for ministries. There are also situations where men die and can't even, there's no one to bury the guy. She don't have any. He hasn't got any. But he's, he's spiritual. After he finished talking in tongues, please speak in English afterwards. Hello. Keep your head above water. That's the key right here. I don't care how much of your shoulder to your leg is sinking in the water. 
just whatever you do. Try to keep your head above, keep your head above water. If a guy changes his job 15 times in one year, don't marry him. He's unpredictable. He's like all 649. You'll never win. You go to university and say amen. You go to university and say amen. Was he not saying amen? I'm telling you, there's some liars out there. Look pretty good. My wife called them tailor-made. Look at this, folks. Hey, you guys see this? I could just hear you guys praying. Lord, give Pastor Nino a spiritual message. Tell him to stay out of our bank book. In our back pocket, please. Oh, God, please. And then I come with a strange message like this. And I have the nerve to tell you God gave this to me. But the whole idea is to keep your head above water in 2016. You got to keep it above water. Whatever you do, keep it above water. Ladies and gentlemen, every family in this church need a nest egg. You need a nest. You need a nest. And when you're going to leave your job, whether they fire you, lay you off, or you just quit, make sure you got a parachute. I said, you guys ought to say to me. Make sure you got a parachute. So the very important thing you have to do now, count the cost of a nest egg, staying on the debt, count the cost of keeping my head above sinking in water, above water, a parachute so I land safely. Because this is a dead sea, D-E-B-T, dead sea. I don't know if you folks know this, <laughs> but when I first became a pastor, God says, you don't know anything. Go to Kenna College and learn this. Learn accounting. Learn to do this. Learn to do that. Learn to do that. And so I had to do it while working. I go night classes. I did. I started to love the thing. And just about I began to love it. God said, quit now. You know enough to get, to get by. Get out of it. <laughs> so I quit. Otherwise, I think this church would be in distress. They taught me things I've never heard, never felt, never known. Pastor don't talk about it. I doubt if he knows. And I realized that even though you were in the tabernacle, your head was in the cloud, but your feet was on the ground. There was no carpet. There's no carpet in the tabernacle. It's all dirt. That means... Keep your feet on the ground. Amen. Is this all right? So in your nest tag, <laughs> you need to uh, keep it above water. You parachute before you jump that job. Now, what's the acid test? You ever have acid reflux? A lot of families having acid reflux. You ask reflexes? What they swallowed on, they couldn't afford to come back up and haunt them. <laughs> but acid tests simply mean my income, which is my means that God gave me, 
and the expenses that God never gave me. God gave you the income. He never gave you the expense. He has no obligation to you and your expenses. He said, that's up to you. And by the way, he said, I want 10% of, of that income I gave you. I'll take 10% out and I'll give you, what, 90%. And if you can't live off 90%, he said, that's your business. I may help you and I may not help you. I may say, yes, no, wait. But don't forget, church, expenses is not God's doing. It's yours. If your income, when divided by the expenses, is one-to-one, -one, it means <coughs> you're shaky. You're living on the ragged edge. Don't take much to push you over. I learned this at school. I applied to church business. I don't take my church there. Absolutely not. If the ratio is one to three, one income to three expenses, what happened? Problems. And if the situation is zero income to one expense, what's that? Calamity. I'm afraid we have all those on pews. Maybe something right here tonight. You can't tell by their looks. Looks is deceiving. Just get out the pocketbook and calculator. And then I'll tell you where the alligator is. I heard a story told by an accountant. He said they're across from point A to point B. And the alligators infested the, the ocean. So the Baptist preacher said, I can do it by faith. And he, he tried to go by. The alligator said, we'll take him over. The Baptist preacher never make it by faith. The alligator just eat him up. Just eat him up. Eat the alligator or shark, what the case was. Next guy said, I can't do it. And so they eat him up too. But when the accountant went into the water with them, they went in formation and landed on the other side safely. <laughs> they said, we have a culture. We never hurt each other. Without prejudice, don't you ever expect your accountant to have you plan for the future? That's why they're working for you. They can only tell you what you should have done, not what you should do, not what you need to do. They're being counter. Hmm. Tell me one accountant you know that owns his own business, industrial business. All he can do is tell you, you should have, but it's too late. You need to know before the future while living in the present. And that's planning. Think about it. How many, how many, do you know of any, any accountant that own a business? I mean, profitable business? Do you know of any? Think hard. Even lawyers, do you know of any? No. And yet we rely on them. Tell us about our, <laughs> our future, they can't tell you. Because they can't do it for themselves. Now, look at this here, folks. 
Disposable income. What is disposable? Money I can throw away. Money I can spend anywhere I want. Kentucky Fried Chicken. Red Lobster. I was a little boy one time. I took him out for dinner from this church. The visitor. Boy, he had his Alpha and Omega trip with me. He ordered steak and lobster. He wasn't even 12 years old yet. And he did chop it off. Ate it all. I was shocked. I said, you ain't come back with me. Never. <laughs> this other guy, he said, I can only eat ribs. I can't eat nothing else but ribs. You take him out. That's all you wrong. And we all learned, don't take him out. So the guy took us a whole trip of people out and said, order anything you want, and we did. And then when he saw the bill, he said, everybody pay for their own. <laughs> you know what happened there? Those who order the highest, the biggest taste had no money. What a shame. Because not out of their pocket, they can do what they're doing. Look at this right here. Disposable income means my income minus my expenses. If I have an excess left over, that's my disposable. I can do anything I want with it. If you don't have one of them, then you're indisposed. Be honest. How many of you ever sat down and did this? Well, at least one person does. Two does. And the rest of you tycoons, what do you do? You spend, spend, spend what you have, spend what you don't have, spend anything you should have. Look at this, folks. And then right here, what's distress? Distress is when our credit interest payment is greater than 4 to 5% of our income. Then my little old Willie Willie pig suffers. Willie the pig suffers. My little pig gets suffered. He starved. How many got a piggy bank? Don't put your hand up, please. Don't embarrass yourself. Now, I know my wife does this. She just drops loony, 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 loony into, into bottles. I don't know why she does it. But I don't like loonies in my pocket. It's just too much weight. Wait, my, put holes in my pocket. So she just she says, give it to me. And she drops it in a box. Next thing you know, she has a, a, a thing full of it. You'd be surprised when you roll how much money you got. Hello? Do you have a piggy bank? My piggy bank. Do I have a piggy bank? Do I have one? Now, look at this, folks. This is serious stuff. This is original stuff. Came straight from the heart of the Lord Jesus for this church. Can you see that real good? If you can't see it, get some binoculars. Or move closer to the front if you can't find a seat in the front. Let's say a couple of age, or a single person, age 28 to 40. Let's say they're married and got two kids. And here is their income scale. Here is the, how many dollars they make per hour. And here's how much interest they pay annually on their credit card. Because credit card is the problem of the world. It is. You're spending money you don't have. Nothing is backed up by gold anymore. It's all make-believe, paper. 
during paper. So church, what I'm saying to you here is this. What I'm saying to you, beloved, is this. Let's say I was making $35 an hour between 2013 and 2015. I was prospering. But then 2016, I did no SWOT analysis on my income and my money. I don't know what my strength is, my weakness, my opportunities, my threats. All that time, I just spend, spend, I'm happy. I feel secure if everything is all right. I'm set up for life, you know. I got to buy a brand new car and, <laughs> and just go on long trips and just spend money, thinking nothing will change. Not reading the handwriting on the wall. And guess what happened? All of a sudden, 2016, they're cutting back. And guess who got sliced? Oops, I'm in the number. I'm in that number, that great stock number. I fell. Look right here. Now, folks, you can see I look pretty calm right now. But if you hear tomorrow you're fired, you'd be in a panic attack. You'd be in distress. Unless you planned for that situation. And so guess what happened? Drop right off right here, 216. The guy told me one time, he's changed his philosophy a long time ago, and learned and have earned, and is now is up in the higher echelon of income bracket. He says, I can't live on that. There's no such thing as you can't live on that. You can live on zero. That's the worst case in life. Zero income. And there are thousands and millions of people in that situation. In Canada and around the world. You can go there by the grace of God you kept from there. You don't forget who keeping you out of that situation. Almighty God. He said he would supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory. We are sheltered. The devil is right. There's an edge around us. There is an invisible edge. If he moves it, we are down like the rest. And I don't forget that. I know there's an edge around us. Shatala So between this part here, where God give you, like seven in Egypt, seven years of prosperity, then seven years of famine. Joseph came with a plan and said, you better, you better plan for, for hardship. It may come. It may never come, and it may come. All right? When I go to the States, I don't depend on my Medicare coverage over here. I buy my own insurance. A lot more than I hope to be sick. Because they will not give you a stitch of that insurance policy. You plan for sickness before you get sick. Don't ask when you're sick to get one. You won't get one. Now, look at this here. Two, so he, he, he's laid off or fired or quit, whatever the case is, 216. So now, he came, between 216 and 217, he came find a job. Then finally, 217, he found a job, and the amount he's making here is $15. $15. Some guy said, I can't work for that. I used to make $35. I'm going to take $15. I can't afford to do that. The guy's just dumb. He's got no brain. It's hollow upstairs. Anything but zero is good. Because I call it parking lot. I taught this before in the 1990s to my folks that used to be in church. I did. They got a parking lot situation. It's not the best. It's not what I want. Not what I love, but what I have to do. 
I got to survive. Got to keep me above water. They take care of my nest egg and my parachute. Look at this now. And so in this 16 to 17, I have no employment here. If the guy is smart, he go learn a trade right here. I tell kids, you go to university and you go to art class, parents don't pay a dime for it. Tell them go sell a bottle and go pay for that. Art. Art. The guy downtown selling pictures nobody's buying. You can't see that? Who's going to buy those pictures? Art is a joke. You're keeping the professor employed. So some folks will sit here and do nothing, grapple about it, and then pull in the government. And some go to retraining and become diversified. And then a final job in 2017. And it's less pay, $15 per hour. And they work for a year and they got laid off again, 2018. It's not a disgrace. You get laid off, so what? That's life. But you're planning now. You got SWAT. You're, you're planning because you've been through this, preparing for this. And now you're down 2018 and back to where you were before in 2016. But guess what? You made up for some losses. You have. You made up some losses. And then what you've done, you, you, learn, you learn to save. And then, again, from 2018, 2019, you're unemployed again. Because the market is a yo-yo. It's unpredictable. Don't forget the company is trying to survive, too. You want to survive, and they want to survive. If they don't survive, you don't survive. If they make it, you make it. The stock market crash, you crash. Because you, you depend on them. You are dependent. You're not the independent variable. You're the dependent variable. And government don't make, don't make money. They just confiscate money called tax. Right? So if you got no taxpayer, you got more people living off pogey and fewer taxpaying, what happened? What happened? If now the 10 people are living off the government and 1% of paying tax, what does that tell you? What happened there? Oh, the government create jobs, right? Now all they do is recycling the dollar. <laughs> right? A lot of provinces does that. They curse Alberta, but they depend on Alberta. Alberta is their nest egg. But they don't want to admit it. All right? Now, look at this right here. Now, I'm in politics, but Mr. Trudeau says, uh, he said, I will not glorify energy. I glorify the resilience of the Canadian. I said, wrong. Who cares if you're resilient? They don't want your resiliency. They want what you can give them. Silver and gold. Oil. Uranium is energy that makes this country popular and powerful. You take that away, it doesn't matter. Now, so you got another job. It used to make 35, it's down to 15. And now the only job available to him is a, a job that pays $5 an hour. He said, that's below my dignity, I can't do that. I said, dumb, crazy, you're gonna starve. Because right here, he's got no money. And now a job came for $5 an hour, and he said, I won't take it. It's below my dignity. I used to go to work with my suit on. I'm going to coveralls. Big deal. Big deal. Doesn't matter. 
I am keeping my head above. I'm taking care of my parachute. Got a nest egg. And then eventually, he got laid off again. And now, by 2020-2021, he's got no job. If he has learned from the first lesson here, he's going to save up money to last. I call this wage reduction forced budgeting. I ask you to budget, and you say, I can't do it. The government forces you to budget because that's the only source you have. Now, the first thing we come to your mind and mine when underpaying bites you and our kids and you got no job is to use a plastic card or write NSF check, which is a crime. <laughs> Everybody saying amen? Is this too deep? It's the same as one as a God. Look at this stuff, folks. So you say, I'm going to pay minimum payment. I got to pay for my student loan. I got to pay for the marriage. I, I spend $900,000 to take care of a girl that only worth $15. And buy a ring that only worth $55,000. Feeds of hungry people that don't, don't deserve a, a Kentucky fried chicken wings to show how great I am. Then tomorrow I'm broke. Let your guests starve. Tell them to bring their own food to the wedding. <laughs> if they really care about you, bring me gifts. Don't expect me to give them gifts. The most you should spend on them is $5 a McDonald's. If they don't like it, too bad. The savings is for my future home. You're going to need more for the marriage than the wedding. Why feed a bunch of people to go home with a big tummy tomorrow? You got an empty pocket. Oh, Lord. Now, I know some of us make mistakes already. You can't correct it. But see, you guys haven't made any yet. So thank you, Jesus. Pastor, you rescued me. Thank you for the alibi. Does that make sense? And if you pay minimum, 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 you're paying forever. And pretty soon, the interest rate goes from 5, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, and you didn't realize it. And you're paying, 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 paying. And you'll never pay it off. And they just love you. Amen? All right. Now, I'm going to give you something, a calculation here. I feel like Apostle Paul. Much learning makes you mad, Pastor Neil. But somewhere in this building, some of them like Pastor Neil. Somebody likes him. Someone said, this is a good pastor. He, he cares about our situation. While the, while the economy is going bad and crazy, we know what to do, what not to do. We know what to stop doing and start doing. Nothing happens overnight. We're going to plan to get out of our situation. As long as you plan, God is in it. God says, I will answer you. Now I'll show you things you need never seen before. Shatalamokosho. Oh, hallelujah. I say, hallelujah. Amen. Hey, God thought they was going to die from thirst, and God opened her eyes, and she saw water. Is this good teaching? Yes. Hallelujah. Come here. Uh, I want to pick on her. Come here, young girl. Come here. Come, come shake me. I said, Pastor, this is great. It don't mean nothing to you. You're too young to understand this, but it's good. 
15 years from now when I'm gone, remember, remember me, right? All right? You sure? Remember me. I preach this. God bless you. Hey, hey come here. Come here, young girl. Come here around here. Hallelujah. She got, she, she got over, over 40 years. Come here, baby. She got 40 years. Sister Neil, give me $5 to give her. I'm going to start you off rich. My wife is broke. She, she should not be broke. Okay. Give her $5. She, she gave you $5. You see that? She, you're the smartest girl. If he can't give you $5, don't marry him. All right. Okay. God bless you. Amen. All right. All right. While it's being given out, the key to financial success is to find a job, don't start reading it, and get paid what you're worth. But when you can't get paid what you're worth, settle for less until the best comes. Spend less than you've earned. Stick to your budget. Covenant to only use your card for emergency and never go over the, the limit you set. Pay off credit card debt as ASAP. Invest. Maximize your employment benefits. Keep good record. Have insurance plan. Don't rob God. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Do what Brother Miles do. Have a million in the bank. Where's his wife? She's playing that secret. Tell them about your secret fun that you have in, 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 in Trinidad. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Would that be nice if it's true? <laughs> All right. Couples should plan financially together. Handle your money together by collaboration. Set your relationship on firm financial footing. Know how much each other are spending and how you feel about spending. Discuss what constitutes major purchase. Purchase. Talk about debt. How many I will affect your checking account, your saving account. Decide who would be responsible this month for balancing the checkbook and who next month. There's no secret in the family. Amen. Do we split responsibility? No. If you're going to marry somebody, young people, and you don't trust them, and look at their eye, and you think there's a serpent in the background, have a prenuptial agreement. A prenuptial agreement means, I don't trust Caleb. I think when he whacks one ton, he may cause me a problem. I'm going to have to drop him. Whatever you brought in, you take out. Whatever you get together, you split. I'm so glad my wife didn't learn that before she married me. Now she knows it's too late. Because <laughs> she married to debt. My wife had stocks. I had bonds. <laughs> I think stocks are better than bonds. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Let's worship God. Praise God. All right? Talk about, sit down, what's income? What's our expenses? What's our credit? What's fixed? What's semi? What's variable? Set short long-term limit goals. I think long-term should be real estate planning, you know, and future education for my kids and your kids. 
or retirement. Short term should be home improvement, new car, or travel. Investment should involve mutual fund, GIC, bonds, stocks. Don't invest in something you don't understand. You better spend some time learning before you invest in it. Amen? All right. I must say, praise the Lord. Is it good so far? We got to keep our heads above water. We're going to set our house in order so when Satan comes knocking, we're not in a panic attack. We say, get out of my house, Satan. God gave me a plan. And you will not make me fret and worry and die. God gave me a plan how to survive. And we're going to survive. We're going to survive because God's going to give me the plan how to survive. Praise God. All right? Be realistic on your budget. Don't be so tight that you starve each other and fight each other. Amen? Keep your credit below 10% of your take-home pay. All right? My spending category should be taxes, insurance, holidays, clothing. My savings should be 10%. All right? I'm hurrying on to, to finish quick here because I don't want to bore you to death. Put a freeze on the credit card. Folks, anybody got a credit card right now? It's now 40 below. Take it outside and put it outside and freeze it. Put a freeze on your credit card. Put a freeze on your credit card, somebody. Cash is king. Stick to it. Use only bank credit card because it gives you a limited balance. You can't go past it. Please don't buy insurance for overdraft. That's an overdraft of an overdraft of an overdraft. And they love when you do that. Carry a limit on your balance at the lowest interest and know when to consolidate with another bank. Bank is in the business of making money. Amen. Praise God. Buy low, sell high. Keep your own credit charges limit under control. Don't be pushed by any company. All right? Practice a tough love situation. Look at this right here. This book I give you right here. This book. Let's go through it. First, take a little time and look at it. Take some time and look at it. Rust through it pretty quick. I want you to rust through it. Just rust right through it, please. I'm telling you, churches have problems. And they send their saints to financial experts. Oh, to make another debt. I'm not charging a dime for this. I said, I'm not charging anything for it. And I, this is not a heaven and hell issue. God allow you to be free, moral agent. Spend as you see fit. Go in debt as you see fit. Repent at leisure. <laughs> you reap what you sow. And will always bail you out. Take a look here now. In the year 1992, I wrote this book, which you don't have. You don't have this book. So I took out page 35, 36, and give this to you. 
And I thought, why have a marriage seminar? Who wants to hear what I have to say? But I told you about my wife's auntie, guy, lived 50 odd years, right? Is it marriage? 50 years marriage. And have no credential like some of you guys have. Own their own home. All the kids are educated. So he tells me education is not everything. The amount of money you make is not everything. All he did all his life was sell paper. And pick up the bottles and go to the, the depot all his life. And every year they travel, twice a year they travel on cruises. You say, how could they do that? That's below your dignity to do. But every morning he wakes up early and go to home and get their paper. Instead of putting the garbage can, he put it in his car. And he delivers it. Never worked in a factory once in his life. So, anybody in this building can make money. Save money. I'm going to help you to do it right tonight. I won't read what's on there because it's pretty self-explanatory. But go to page two. Page two straight from the, the news of the world. Since the rich and famous are wiser than Christians, let us copy their habits that make them successful during difficult turn in the economy. The wise take action to survive the financial famine. The wise adjust to the erratic stock markets, failing banks, government bailouts, weaker dollars, rising inflation, rising mechanical costs, medical costs, home foreclosures, record bankruptcies, and many families are struggling to keep their head above water, except Christians. I paraphrase all that from the record of the world. The wise-hearted world is downsizing, cutbacking, revising spending, except Christians. Why? Why does the pastor think every dime he gets to be spent on him? Why does a pastor or a church think every money they get to spend on them? What about your community? What about your community? What about the poor? What about those outside of the faith? Jesus said, I was in prison, he didn't visit me. I was hungry, he didn't feed me. If all this church ever does is take care of itself, then we're, not, we're a bad example of what Christianity is. And it's all on volunteerism. God will help us count the cost and build wisely starting now. Our goal is to survive with what we have, living off less than we earned till he comes. I want to hear those statements, well done, thou good and wise and faithful servant. That's all I want to hear. I don't care what the Academy Award said or Guinness Book of Records says. What is God saying? Now, folks, the percentile shown on page three is not mine. But it was well-researched and it's still within the average. A family budget involved other expenses, 4%. Debit card, personal loan should be a minimum, I mean maximum 4% or less. Healthcare percentile should be 4%. Savings should be 8%, minimum. Clothing, 4%, maximum. 
food, 9% average, transportation, 14% average, utilities, 9%, housing, 34%, tithe, always fakes, 10%. It means 10% of your dollar per hour income. Let me make it so simple you can understand it. If I own that $1 income, look on this chart, page 3. Four cents would go for all the expenses. Four cents would go for, debit, debit, for credit card. Four cents would go towards health care. Eight cents would go for what? Savings. Four cents would go for clothing. Nine cents for food. Fourteen percent for transportation. Nine percent, nine cents, sorry, for utilities. Thirty-four cents for housing and tithing 10 cents. What does that mean, beloved? So equal 100% minimum, maximum. Now, here's what you say. I can't save a dime. Guess what the Bank of Canada says? The bank rate just changed 0 0.05. You would not save that in a piggy bank. That means 5 cents. You discount that. But they don't. 0 0.025 or 0.1%. And you say, I can't do that. And that's the mistake we made. So there are very few smart Pentecostals. And there's those that, you know, they live the way they die. Now, on page, page four, See what's on page four? A sheet to give you to do your own practice. I give this to you, and you can throw it in the garbage like somebody does. Throw it in the garbage, but it covers my income, my tithing, my fixed expenses, my semi-fixed expenses, my variable expenses, equal total. And my, my expenses from my income, it equal my disposable. I want to tell you, every time I talk to a saint near or far, the first distress they told me, after paying tithe, I only have $5 left. And I hear the message. I hear the message. If I didn't have to pay tithes, look how much money I would have had. That 10%. And it's not true. Because all those who practice what they're saying today are still beggars. Unemployed. Business collapse. Don't make it. Don't own anything. Still the way I knew them 20 years ago. Not improved. Nothing changed. Except flat tire, broken down engine, burnt down houses, and you name it all. Just read the book of Agai chapter 1. And the first person to come to the pastor and say, Pastor, pray for me a job. The guy who don't pay tithes. Hey, girl, saying to God, it's easy on Sunday morning for everybody to come and shop with us. But they have no idea how the fabric is paid for. No accountability, no responsibility, no investment. And want everything from God. And you know what? God sends the blessing on the just and the unjust. But there are times when God says, absolutely not. So, look on page five. 
If you take a wage and go to page six, I've done the calculation to show you what you may do if you want to control. I'm going to end on this. I'm going to bore you to death. Decision calculation using 40 hours per week wage at $20 per hour for 52 weeks. Have fun doing the calculation. So I'm going to pay 10% of that 40 hours for tithe, 34% for how percent of that money for housing, 9% 9 for utilities, 14 for transportation, 9% for food, 4% for clothing, 8% for saving, 4% for health care, 4% for debit credit, and other expenses for. Now, when I calculate that, if I have a gross monthly income, of 3,200, it means that when I use those percentage to reduce that number down the line, there's, there are the figures right there. Right? That's what I would be paying out from my income, monthly income, my obligations. But then I realize I am dealing with a situation like this. I'm faced with this, and this is coming on. How many can see that? You folks following me? I had this, and I'm planning for that to happen to me. So I start teaching myself. Now, most experts says, train yourself to live off 50% of what you earn. That's called belt tightening. Self impulsive management. That's tough. I'm not asking you to do that. Some people have done that. But then I'm saying some people increment by 10% reduction each year to see it would go. If I do by a 10% reduction, look what happened. My tithing stayed the same. My housing, I reduced it from $1,088 to $980. My utilities went from $288 to $284. My transportation went from $448 to $443. My food went from $288 to $284. My clothing went from $128 to $127. I saved a dollar. My savings went up $3. Hello. And my health care went down $1. My credit went down $1, other expenses went down $1. So I'm going to I save by cutting back 10% the following month. Same income, but I know something is coming down the road, and I'm planning for it. What does that tell me? First of all, if you look at 31, 32, $100 a month minus $31.88. What's the difference? What's the difference? Disposable is the difference. Is that right? When I do it now by cutting myself back, I force myself 
in a cutback without being laid off. I act as if I'm being laid off. I fired myself. And act like I'm fired, but I'm not fired. Because that's the best way to do it, because you're in control now. You're in the driver's seat. You know, talking about circumstance. I save on housing $108. Utilities, I save $3. Transportation, I save $4, which I never had before. Food, I save $3. Clothing, I save $1. Savings, I save $3, which I didn't have before. And healthcare, I save a dollar. My credit card, I save a dollar. All the expenses, I save a dollar. So in all, I save $125, right, for that month, right? When I multiply that times 52 weeks, oh, sorry, that's per week. Sorry, these are per week. I understand that, right? When I multiply that times 52, look how much money I save for the year, 1000 1000 $500 I've saved, which you would never have had. Is that virtuous, your T4 slip, that said you make so much money, and when you look at the end of the accounting, reporting to the government, you don't even have $5 in your nest egg. You say, well, it's $1,500 a year. That's not much. You're wrong. The bank says 0 0.025 increase or decrease affect the whole economy. So, in closing, what's my assessment? Some things I must have. Some things it's nice to have. And some things I want to have but it must wait. Now, when I was getting married, nobody taught me this. But I realized when I take on pastoral authority and counseling, I need to know this. Because I'm constantly up in couples and families. I never had one rebel against me once in my life. I never had one tell me that it won't work. I give them biblical principle without them even knowing it. And you know how I know I'm successful? They don't come back. They say they solve the problem. Look at this, folks. I must have, as a family man, family person or single person, home security, gas, water, and lights. I either rent, lease, or buy where I'm living. I must have nutritious food. And I purchase by sales, bulk sales, buying, coupons. My clothing must be reasonable. My transportation is for work. I don't buy a depreciated vehicle. I buy a vehicle that I know I'm going to keep for a long time. If you don't plan to keep your vehicle for eight and five years, don't buy it. Don't buy it at all. If you buy it just to save, save it every year or two years, you're wasting your money. A vehicle should be purchased to last at least 10 years. By then, you put on there almost 100 plus thousand. Think about the cost savings you have. Insurance. I need insurance in case you drop dead or your family left behind. What kind of lifestyle living do you want them to have in your absence? It don't happen by accident. It happened by plan. Savings. If you don't save, 
A penny saves, a penny gain. My wife is a good bookkeeper. Extremely good, better than me. She fights for every dime, they charge too much. She stands on the phone for hours trying to argue over it until they solve it. <laughs> they won't get off with a dime. Education. If you've got kids, you are responsible for their education, and you should be saving money for their education, especially if you're not working. All right? Can wait, but nice to have. Travels, eat out, toys for amusement. All right? Wish to have death trap. I call it death trap. Credit card. I've seen people with wallet, both sides full of plastic cars. They're in the plastic making industry. Credit cards. Line of credit. They keep badgering my wife. Do you want out of credit? She says, Pastor, they keep bugging me. Get this bank card. She says, I don't need it. If I need one, I'll tell you. <laughs> Get an investor. I don't need one. They don't like her. All right, credit card. One guy almost caught me in on the phone. And for some reason, let me get my wife. He said, I was doing pretty good till I got your wife. <laughs> he almost take me for a walk. <laughs> almost cleaned my plow. <laughs> she saved me from it. All right, line of credit. Overdraft. NSF checks. Impulsive spending. Unemployment. Hello? And goes on. Finally, a word I never used. Everywhere I gone, they said to me, Pastor, you're going to retire. I said, undo what? Undo what? Count, count the ceiling tile? One, two, three, four, five. The only hobby I have is eating. And I'm kicking that, as you can see. Amen? So, a good time to retire. What time should I retire? Really, does not make too much money? No. That's when you save up. Number one, I'm not giving you advice. I'm giving you an opinion. Good time to retire when you're debt-free. When you own your own home. And your mortgage is paid off in full. Keep in mind, you have to pay annual taxes and upkeep. If you save it monthly, you won't have to come up with a big slump sum at the end of the year. Ooh. Ooh. Number three, no dependency. You have no dependency except your spouse. Send your kids away. Don't have extensive adolescence. Push them out of the nest. Kick them out. Go fly in a flight. <laughs> Put them out. <laughs> Number five. <laughs> Number five. Insurance. If you're young, I would suggest, for me, whole life. 
If I had taken term life today, it would have been used up already. I have in my whole life equity plus the insurance still. They'll mock you and say, well, save the equity. You never do. Well, I can save the excess while I give to them to give it. You never do. Those idealism never work. We're human. Don't forget we're a sinner. We're sinful. Hello? I lost some people here. It's pretty quiet. The only insurance I have is S-I-N. It can't take care of you. I'm sorry. All right, number six. I have a few investments you started early in life from way back here. From way back here. Can you imagine? You start from way back here. By the time you reach here, it's there to help you with annuity. Annuity. Because you're reading up on it. And the older you get, the more you think about your coffin. First was the coffer, now is the coffin. <laughs> you guys not laughing? That's the way it is, folks. You shall die as you're in the rapture. <laughs> okay? So, here's some keys. Have a nest egg. Try to outlive your nest egg. You're allowed to break even with death and your nest egg. But don't outlive your nest egg. And by the way, there have been no mercy killings around here, so die naturally. Praise God. And if you must bear that guy in the seat of his home, make sure he sleeps a lot, they're going to die pretty quick. And write his new will to you. I'm just teasing. Not a funny joke, is it? <laughs> All right. Avoid credit cards. Why would you need one when you're retiring? How are you going to pay for it? They sometimes said credit card with your dog names on it. That's how crazy they are. Avoid what? Home equity loan. This is a ripoff. I make sure my mother-in-law don't buy that stuff. Every family that does it get robbed. Get robbed. Who's going to take care of you after you get this money and they know you're going to spend it off in five months? Now, you just dealt with company A. Company A sold your business to company B and require higher L, pay interest, and now you can't pay it, and they put you out. And you lost your house. You folks never heard it before? Home equity program? Oh, I got equity in my house so I can borrow money. I'd garbage. If you really got equity in your house, sell it! When the price is high, keep your equity in your pocket. Well, that guy is not in your best interest. He's a liar. Boy, it's pretty quiet around here. Now, any of you become pastors in the future, you better teach us to your saints. Are you going to have a poor church? Bankrupt church. A bunch of slaves to creditors. There are churches like that. And they can't get above water. Because the man of God is like the one that died. You just make bills. But never met flow. 
I got two persons in my life. A guy called Bill and a girl called Flo. Called Cash Flow. Hallelujah. Last two, check if you can survive on government pension. This is a joke. Government pension is a joke. They gave you $500 that much, or 25 or 50 If you're a stay-at-home mom, you don't have zero to get. How are you going to survive? And they pay you $1,500 or $500 or $150 for pension. You can't even buy groceries. You can't even buy all of the oil market. Because all those wages you lost back here. Look at this, folks. Now, kids, you have a right not to, not to love your pastor, because I can see why. Because he's, he's putting in a bad light. Mom and dad stay home to take care of the kids. Come here, Zachary. I stay home all my life, take care of you. I could be he or she, call me they. Right to be gender neutral. <laughs> I stay home and take care of you. I'll be politically correct. I take care of you. You're going to eat up 18 years of my life. In 18 years, I will not be able to make an income. I have no idea what you'll do when you get older. You could abandon me. You could say, look, man, I got my wife. I'm going to live with my wife. Sorry, Mom. But I'll see you on the birthday. Bye-bye. Or my dad. Now, they have no income, low pension, and you, you don't plan to take care of them because you got a wife to take care of now and your kids. You say, I take care of my own home. When I need you, I'll call you. Right? So what happened now? They wasted all their lives over there. And they lost all this income. I'm not showing you the first page. Lost all their income. Take care of him. No UIC. No CPP. Come on now. Is this, is, this, is this true? Am I telling the truth? Am I telling the truth? And you stay with that kids all your life. And the husband didn't take care of the situation of your future by insurance. What do you think is going to happen to you? You are going to die poor. Come on. You can't even bear your own self. Make sure when you die, die the government footsteps so they can scrape them and put in a coffin. It will be just a box. Because the average price for a coffin is $15,000. You still want to get married? <laughs> you are mad. <laughs> you still want to have kids? They're worse than a credit card. <laughs> You're stuck for 18 years with no interest. <laughs> Sorry, honesty. Thank you, guys. Now, of course, children is a gift from God. You know, kids are wonderful. You have to have kids. Because when kids are good and they all come home, you know, the ones who have no kids, they're going to be lonely all the rest of their life, right? But the ones who have 
a house full of kids, 25 kids. Can you imagine? You're 85 years old and 25 kids show up. Ah, football team have a game today. <laughs> and they all throw your house up. That's when you reap the benefit if they're all good. And the chances are one of them just might be good. One might just be good. One just might be good. I'm not sure which one. All right. So, this is right here. You may have to get up your retirement and work. So, if the world's cutting back, you have to cut back too. Let's stand. Now, tell the person beside you what you did not like about what I just preached. Come on, tell them. Tell them to their face. Don't be afraid of them. Let them run in the eyeball. Say, eyeball, I didn't like what he preached at all. <laughs> Come on, I can't tell them. I can't say, I don't know he slander us. <laughs> he slander us kids. Let me tell you. Stay home, mom, is a beautiful thing if dad and mom agree to it. And dad will make estate planning in case it's deceased before she does, that their cost, that the standard of living will not drop in his absence. Hallelujah. So when you single ladies, I'm single men, when you're marrying a lady, young man, you're marrying either a spender or a saver. Figure out which one it is. If it's a spender, you're going to work all the rest of your life. If it's a saver, she may save you a lot of problems. Lady, if you marry a guy, you marry a saver. I thought Jesus was your savior. And vice versa. And if parents don't teach their kids that I carry you for nine months, you owe something back to me for nine years. Every month I want a year of blessing from you. The first, the first nine years of wages, I want you to give it to me. Forget about a wife. <laughs> Pay me back for all I went through. <laughs> it's just not going to work. Because that girl will say, let's go, let's go far, move her far away. Any question on this side? Say something. Come on, you can't be that either. Come on, say something, young lady. Sir, any questions? Any questions? Any questions? Good to see you. Joseph and his good wife. God bless you.